This week on The Perfect Scam. He starts like, you know, I should start a little bit of side business, maybe make my life a little easier. Had you heard of cryptocurrency before that? Before that, I did not. Once that cryptocurrency is sent, you know, there's no way to get it back. It's just a perfect payment mechanism for you know people who want to do, you know, bad things. It's very hard, I think, for a lot of consumers to kind of differentiate between legitimate cryptocurrency companies and exchanges and illegitimate ones. Cryptocurrency scams are skyrocketing so fast that consumer reported losses in 2021 were 60 times what they were in 2018. 60 times. The Federal Trade Commission recently reported that crypto is now tops among payment methods used by victims who report a scam, more than gift cards, cash, credit cards, or any other payment tool. And the FTC says social media and crypto are a combustible combination. So we're interrupting our normal set of episodes here at The Perfect Scam to bring you a special report on this very new, very 21st century crime. Most of you had probably never heard of Bitcoin or other cryptocurrency just a couple of years ago. Now, crypto seems to be everywhere. You probably remember those Super Bowl crypto ads. These mere mortals, just like you and me, as they peer over the edge, they calm their minds and steal their nerves with four simple words that have been whispered by the intrepid since the time of the Romans. Fortune favors the brave. Or you've seen a crypto ATM at a gas station or convenience store. We shouldn't be surprised that criminals have followed the digital money but the ferocity of the scams and the speed at which they have whipped around the planet is deeply concerning. So today, you're going to meet a crypto scam victim whose story starts on social media. In this case, the criminal uses the professional networking site LinkedIn to ensnare the victim. And that's another new trend we're seeing two more scams that begin on LinkedIn. Then next week, we're going to do a bit more of a deep dive into what crypto really is, why criminals like it so much, what you can do to protect yourself, and what society needs to do about this burning five-alarm fire. My name is May Meso, and I live in Tampa, Florida. And thank you for having me today. May Meso is a brave young woman. She's 42. She grew up in Burma and came to the U.S. when she was 18 years old. How long have you lived in Tampa? I would say it's about 12 years. And and did you did you move to from another part of Florida or, or how uh, did you get to Tampa? I moved from New York. How old were you when you landed in New York? Actually, before New York, I used to live in California. And when I first get here, I would say I was about 18. Yeah. Wow. That's, that's yeah. quite a journey. Quite a journey. Yep. From the other side of the world. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Things haven't been easy for Mei Mei. She spent a lot of her young adult life looking for a job that would support her simple dreams. But a long-term illness has left her with chronic nerve pain that flares up from time to time. Late last fall, she's enduring a particularly bad bout of pain. Then one day, while using LinkedIn to network and hunt for a better job, something special happens. And Mei Mei allows herself to think, maybe her ship has finally come in. 
you were on LinkedIn, um, basically trying to use it for professional purposes, right? That is correct. I think like as a working professional these days, everyone just have LinkedIn. It just become like that's the way it is. So, yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. You meet someone at a, at a business gathering or whatnot. That's how you connect. You connect on LinkedIn. That is correct. It's not a business gathering because like sometimes people reach out to you on LinkedIn just to connect, you know. So it's just like to broaden your professional network kind of thing. So this one reach out to me as one of them. Yep. May May gets a connection invitation from someone she doesn't know. He's just saying that he just want to say hi. And, you know, he started that way and then he added me. He tried to connect with me. So like for LinkedIn, uh, usually for me, it's just a professional networking site. So I don't put any personal information. So usually when I get that connect and uh, I take a look at it and I just approve it to be as a connect. And then for him, the same thing. Yeah, I, I did that. I allow him to connect. Do you remember any, you know, first impressions you had? Is, is Was he good looking? Was he funny? Just, any, you know, like the first feeling you had about him. He was like, he. the picture was like dress up very formal. It's like more in, in suit. Because I, you know, when we judge people, I just think that, oh, it's, he's a professional person. That's, how, that's the uh, impression that he gave me. The man says he's an executive at a fitness company. Actually, his the name that he gave his Chinese name is Y A N J U N. Last name L I. He it is pronounced Li Yanjing. Yeah, Yanjing Li basically. There is a connection right away because Yangjun is able to talk to Mei Mei in her native language. He messaged me in English. Yes, and then only after I would say the the conversation go on a little bit a few days later, then he said, oh not a few days, I'm going to say a couple of days. And then he said, oh, you speak Chinese as well? And then that's how, yeah, I said, yes, I do. So that's how we start talking in Chinese. Oh, okay. yeah. yeah. Mm-hmm. And that was probably, that was probably nice, right? That you were able to talk to someone in Chinese. Oh, yes. At first, the connection isn't really typical of LinkedIn. Actually, that after we talk for a, f- a couple of days, then he start a little bit talk a little bit like kind of like in romance way. But I let him know that I am not interested. I told him that I am here on uh, LinkedIn is for professional networking. It's not for I'm not interested in that. And that at that time I was in a committed relationship, so I let him know. And then he disappeared for like a few days, maybe like uh, a week or so, and then he come back. And then he just talked to me like, just like kind of like friends, you know, normal uh, talk like that. After Mei Mei swats away the romantic advances, Yang Jin says he wants a more friendly relationship. And Mei Mei is okay with that. Right away, he seems very kind. So usually he, you know, in the morning he, he check, you know, how I'm doing and things like that. Like the first thing, of course, I guess, do you have pain today? You know, so, you know, it's like when you're living in pain and somebody... You know, like a close friend, think about that, then you feel different, you know? So one thing though he always do is like in the morning, it's like, oh, you know, like, of course, like, oh, you make sure you eat breakfast kind of thing, you know, just like shows like someone who cares, you know, that kind of thing. Soon, Yang Jun invites Mei Mei to take their friendly chat to a different tool. After we talk on LinkedIn for a little bit, and then he's saying that, oh, he doesn't use LinkedIn that much. And then he said, oh, let's start talking in another like chat chat app. So we start talking on WhatsApp. Mm, okay. And so. then 
Yes, and then after that, then he's like saying that he's having some challenge, and then like let's move to Line L I N E that app, the chat app as well. So I was like, oh okay, because I use I use that to connect with my friends overseas in Asia. So I said, okay, I have that as well. So that's how we talk. And not long after they start talking online, as the holiday season is fast approaching, Yangjun has a friendly suggestion for Meimei. You know, I let him know I am a benefit manager and things like that. And then he say, so we start talking more like friends. And then he noticed that I also have some. I mean, I let him know that I have some like physical challenge because I, I because of my previous injury, I have nerve damage. So every day, basically, I am suffering from pain, the nerve pain. So he he is aware of that, and then he starts like you know. I should start a little bit side business, maybe make my life a little easier. So on the day that I am in pain, I don't need to go to work, kind of thing. A little side business, well, that would bring in some extra cash, and maybe someday mean she doesn't have to move around so much on painful days. Mamie's curious but skeptical, and then Yang Jin suggests investing in crypto. Had you heard of cryptocurrency before that? Before that, I did not. So that's why, like, he tried so hard to ask me to try to. He's saying that, oh, you can just start with, you know, a couple hundreds and things like that. I was just saying, I don't, because I, I usually don't trust anyone, unless I see the result. So he was telling me that you can try to invest by the cryptocurrency through Crypto.com, which I did the research and I know that it is legit. So yeah, that's how he asked me to start. So and you started with how much money? It's about four hundred dollars, I believe. Maymay doesn't know the first thing about buying crypto, let alone investing in it. But Yang Jin promises to be her guide. So, Maymay takes the leap. Remember that ad where Matt Damon says fortune favors the brave, and she deposits four hundred dollars into a new Crypto.com account. Now she holds cryptocurrency, but there's another step she must take to start making money. Yangjin says she must move that digital money into another platform to invest it. Again, Meimei is skeptical, but she takes the only step she can think of to verify this second site is legit. She calls her cell phone company. What I did was before I even download that app from their website, I phone support a call and make sure that the website is okay. And then they were saying that oh, they told me that yes, it is okay. iPhone support confirms that this site doesn't have harmful code, computer viruses on it. So with Yangjun virtually holding her hand, Meimei takes that leap too, and right away, bingo! Her little investment in digital currency seems to pay off big time. So like I remember right before Christmas that I see that I was making like my money over there is like it's like double basically. So he asked me to withdraw back to Crypto.com then to my bank. He said just like his、uh, Christmas present to me. So yeah, I did that and then I did get the money back in my bank account. And and how much was that at that point? It was at a thousand. Is a thousand? Yep. So you moved from four hundred to a thousand dollars in a week or so. I would say like, yeah, two or three days. Yeah. Wow. So、uh, like, yeah, it, it just I see the result. I see it that way, you know, at that time. And you actually had the thousand dollars in your own bank account. Yes, I get it back. Yep. 
She'd seen her cash grow from $400 to $1,000, and she has the money in her own account thanks to crypto. All those TV ads must be real. Yep, and because like, for me, it's like, I hate to say that, but my life is pretty tough. I work hard and I just like, you know, like when I am in pain, I still work hard because I am kind of workaholic. And then because of that, and I I was like, oh, maybe finally God sent someone my way to make my life a little easier. So her skepticism overcome, Mei Mei jumps into crypto with both feet. I saw that the first time I did was on, actually it was December 18 was 400. And then December 25 was 3000. Okay. Wow. Yeah. Um, and what happened to the $3,000? Did that grow quickly too? Yes. It grew quickly too. Wow. Okay. So, so when was your next deposit? The next deposit was on December 27 was 10,000. Oh my gosh. So you went from 400 to 3000 to 10,000. Yes. Because like, he showed me like, oh, this is what he see. And then like, so, you know, yeah, sure. That's sure. why I and see. Yep. So Mei allows herself to dream a little bit more. My goal was to have like a small lifestyle cafe, you know, for myself, mm. my small business. So make my life a little easier. Yep. How long have you been thinking about opening up a little cafe? Actually, that I I have that in my mind for quite some times, but I just that I just never like think about that to make it you know into a real plan. But now she's starting to think about how much capital she'd need to open a place, and she ups the ante on her crypto investments. On January third is thirty five thousand, and then January eleven was forty five thousand. Actually, the biggest ones was on January 20th. It was 70000 I should explain. Each time she puts money into Crypto.com and then moves it to that other site, which we're not mentioning, as Zhang Jin instructs her to do. And the, the money you were putting in, I'm just in my head now, you've already put in about $100,000. Um, where was that money coming from? Actually, that I have my own money is, uh, I would say, about a hundred and. 10,000. Yeah, that's my own saving. So so it was in savings and it was in savings not not growing, right? It's just no one saving yes. grows. Yeah, so yeah. Trying to make it do something. Um but but uh, at some point you started borrowing money from other people to to invest, is that right? Actually, it's at first it's not from other people. It is from like loan, personal loan because I I I used to have very good credit because before that is my credit was more than 800. So I get those personal pre-approved loan and things like that. So I get, yeah, with his encouragement and he's saying that, oh, certain day is going to have that. And then we can, you know, we can just do one or two shot and then you can get the money that you can do. You want to do business. So, yeah. So you started, how much did you borrow? I think total is about 150,000. So there's a hundred thousand or so of your own savings and then a hundred and fifty thousand dollars in loans? Correct. Are you 55 plus? There are many ways your community could use your help. As an AmeriCorps Seniors Volunteer, you can put your skills to work for the causes you care about, whether that's by becoming a companion for an older adult 
or a foster grandparent for a child, tutoring students, joining a disaster response effort, or fulfilling another interest. Choose how, where, and when you want to volunteer, starting at just a few hours a month. This is your moment to make a positive impact on your community and get back so much more in return. Visit americourt.gov slash your moment today. As the calendar turns to February, Maymay has now put about a quarter of a million dollars into crypto, 150,000 of that from a personal loan. But that's okay because her crypto account shows she now has about $650,000 in it. Then one day, February 22nd actually, Maymay decides it's time to move some of the money back into her personal account. And then things go south fast. First, she's told that there's a delay, and then she'll have to deposit more money in in order to get to the front of the line for people who want to make withdrawals. And then, a couple of days later... When I go back to the website, and then I cannot log in. So I, I cannot contact the customer service. I cannot do anything because I cannot log in. And the last time I see my money, my cryptocurrency in there was about 650000 something. I see it there. I have the screenshot. And then I cannot log in. And then a, a few, a couple of days later, I go log in. I go check again and saying that oh, the website is temporarily out of service for maintenance or something like that. And then just a few days later, the site is completely gone. She sends frantic emails to Yangshin, and well, he's gone too. Not too long after, an awful message appears on that crypto website. It just said, this website may be impersonating you to steal your personal or financial information. You should close this page. Wow. The site is gone. Yang Jin, whoever he or they is, seems to be gone too. And so is all of Mei Mei's money. All her life savings and an even bigger bank loan. Also gone? Her dream of opening a cafe, of finally making a life that's not quite so hard on her body. Yeah, but I mean, like, when I first found out, my world turned upside down, basically. Yes, because I all my money is gone, completely my 110000 is gone. Nothing I can do. But the loan that I get, and, you know, no way there for me to pay back. And then the interest rate, you know. So I have to file for bankruptcy. There's a lot of pieces for Mei Mei to pick up, beginning with that bank loan. She has absolutely no way to pay it back. So she has to ruin her perfect credit rating and declare bankruptcy. Of course, it's much more than her credit that is ruined. Remember, when all this started, she was looking for a new job. With the job offer that I, I was transparent, you know, when I get the job offer, I let the recruiter know right away that you will see bankruptcy record because of this, you know? Because I have to tell, you know? That must have felt terrible. It is, because like for me, I'm always like, my credit is always like 800 something and you know i take pride of that and i'm never late for any payment but 
I think, yeah, this this is the only way for me to start over. That's the only way Maymay can start over, by declaring bankruptcy. So maybe fortune favors the brave isn't exactly the best advice when considering an investment. To get some better advice about what's going on with crypto, we even listed the help of Lee Reiners, a professor of fintech law at Duke University Law School. Before that, Lee worked at the Federal Reserve in New York, where he was among the first scholars to study cryptocurrency. I asked him about what happened to Mei Mei. Well, it's, you know, it's heartbreaking when you see things like that. And unfortunately, they're happening quite you know, frequently you know, in cryptocurrency. I remember in, the, in 2017, when Bitcoin first started going up in value, you know, quite rapidly, you were seeing, you know, these stories in the, in the press about, you know, college student, you know, drops out of college and travels the world on, you know, Bitcoin profits or something like that, right? And of course, that just draws more people, uh, more people in. Cryptocurrency is tailor-made for criminals, Lee said. And when it comes to actually using crypto, not just, you know, speculating or investing in crypto, but using crypto, it's principally being used for illicit purposes. And it's not hard to understand why, because, you know, with cryptocurrency, large sums can be transferred instantaneously worldwide. It's just a lot easier to move $100 million in Bitcoin than it is to move $100 million in in cash, right? That's just a lot, you know, it's a lot of duffel bags if you're trying to move $100 million in, in cash. I asked him what in particular about crypto makes it a useful tool for criminals like those who stole from Maymay. One is that it's, you know, anonymous or, you know, pseudo-anonymous. So it's hard to, you know, identify who the scammer is, right? Who the recipient of these Bitcoin or cryptocurrency payments are. You know, furthermore, they're irreversible. You know, once that cryptocurrency is sent, you know, there's no way to get it back, you know, unless the, the scammer, you know, out of the goodness of their hearts, send it back. And, and obviously that's not going to happen. Of course, this is very different than, um, you know, if you use a, a credit card, for instance, right? And you can call, you know, your credit card issuer and, and complain and file complaint and a lot of times get that transaction reversed. And because it's digital, you can, you know, you can send, um, you know, very, you know, large amounts via um, cryptocurrency. So, you know, those, those are, you know, all the reasons why it's just a perfect payment mechanism for, you know, people who want to do, you know, bad things. A perfect payment mechanism for people who want to do bad things? Wow. There are three kinds of crypto crime scams, Lee says. So when we look at um, crypto's illicit use, there are really you know three categories, and you know what you and I are talking about, you know, falls under financial transactions associated with the commission of crimes. So you know, cryptocurrency just makes committing established crimes just a lot easier. And ransomware is like the perfect example. You know, ransomware predates cryptocurrency. But, you know, we weren't reading about it on the front page of the New York Times, you know, pre-cryptocurrency. You know, there were no colonial pipeline style hat cryptocurrency. So your traditional, you know, romance scams, again, cryptocurrency makes doing that, at, you know, a lot easier and, uh, and a lot easier to get away with. You know, then the, another category is, you know, money laundering and the shielding of legitimate activity 
from tax reporting or other legal requirements. So because cryptocurrency, you know, has that element of um, pseudonymity, uh, in some cases, you know, fully anonymous, um, you know, it's easy to hide wealth. Um, you know, there are concerns that, you know, Russian oligarchs, for instance, are stashing some of their, or sanctioned, are stashing some of their wealth in, in cryptocurrency. You know, there are stories about couples, you know, in divorce proceedings, hiding um, assets from one another in cryptocurrency. So there's that category. And then the final category are crimes um, such as theft uh, directly implicating the cryptocurrency marketplace itself. So these are new types of crimes that only cryptocurrency facilitates. And here I'm talking about, um, you know, uh, hacks at cryptocurrency exchanges. So, you know, North Korea has, you know, state-sponsored uh, hacking group um, known as the Lazarus Group. And, you know, they notoriously have gone after cryptocurrency exchanges and other cryptocurrency companies companies um, who have, you know, flaws in the code, lack security protocols, um, and have stolen crypto directly from these entities. So again, you know, it's just a perfect storm when it comes to, you know, crypto and, and criminal activity. What happened to Maymay is the kind of crime that could never happen before crypto existed. The criminals persuaded her to buy crypto at a legitimate exchange but then told her to transfer the digital money to a different crypto account that they controlled so they could make off with the cash. Meanwhile, they created a fake website, which made it look like her crypto was growing. But to make the scam that much more persuasive, they initially gave her real money. Her $400 did actually become $1,000 in a few days. That risky cash advance, if you will, was worth it to the criminals. Plus, criminal schemes involving fake crypto can be very, very sophisticated, Lee says. There's this type of scam in crypto called a rug pull, which is, uh, occurs when a, uh, you know, a team of developers pumps their project's cryptocurrency or token before disappearing with the funds, you know, thereby leaving their investors with a, a valueless uh, asset. So I think this is really where regulation needs to come into play. You know, because there are, you know, legitimate cryptocurrency exchanges that, you know, you can go to if you want to invest in cryptocurrency um, that aren't scams. But there are then a lot of other, you know, online operations that look legitimate, but are designed from the get-go to effectively take your money. And so it's just very hard, I think, for a lot of consumers to kind of differentiate between legitimate cryptocurrency companies and exchanges and illegitimate ones. Really, really hard. At some point, darn near impossible. So for starters, Lee warns, consumers should be very, very, very suspicious of crypto transactions. There's really no way for, you know, um, consumers to, to differentiate without doing you know, some significant legwork. So, you know, there are, you know, resources, you know, on the Securities and Exchange Commission's website, on the Commodity Futures Trading Commission's, you know, website, but of course, most people aren't going to to look at those. So when it comes to investing, you know, there's never any substitute for doing your own research. And I don't care what the asset class is, right? This applies universally, not just to cryptocurrency, but it especially applies to cryptocurrency. But know that in the end, your own research might still not be enough. 
Well, I would, you know, enter the name of the, that exchange, you know, into into Google. Chances are that if it's a if it's a scam, you're not going to be the first victim, and so there'll be other uh, other people that'll have some horror stories to tell. You know, I think you can. Uh, go to the Federal Trade Commission's website. You can go to the Securities and Exchange Commission's website. You know, you can um, you know enter the name of uh, of the exchange that you've been given there and see what what comes up. But there's no sort of foolproof way, Bob, to determine whether or not you know this exchange is is legitimate or not. There's no foolproof way. That's really critical to remember as we continue with our discussion of cryptocurrency. We'll have much more advice about crypto and even do a little history lesson on crypto in the next episode. Since we have your attention now, here's three quick pieces of scam-busting advice from the Federal Trade Commission. One, only scammers will demand payment in cryptocurrency. Two, only scammers will guarantee profits or big returns. And three, never mix online dating and investment advice. There's much more at the FTC's website on a page called What to Know About Cryptocurrencies and Scams. But for now, I'm happy to report that as Mei Mei was telling us her devastating story, she did have some good news to share. She just landed a new job. That is correct. I just, uh, I just accepted the job offer yep, from my dream company. <laughs> I tried to get into the company for years and then, yeah, so hopefully I see this like I tell myself, this is a good start. I can start over again. Yes, I can. Maymay can start over again. Still, stolen from her was a lifetime of earnings and savings and a lot more. So this is 20, 25 years of, of earnings and savings, right? Yes. And like... All those years of hurting saved their money, you know. To be honest, like, I just, I just feel like I am a bird with a broken wing now. I don't, you know, I feel like that. But when I get that job offer at my dream company, then I said, I told myself, yes, I will fly again. I will fly higher this time. A bird with a broken wing who will fly higher this time. But the pain she has endured, emotional, financial, physical, well, that's why she's speaking out now. She wants to help others avoid what happened to her. We should credit CNBC television for airing Maymay's story first. Yes, that's why I think like I just want I just want to tell my story because like this is very well organized crime. You know, the way they target you is like they play psychology very well. Part of those psychological ploys is the toxic combination of social media and cryptocurrency that the FTC warned about. And recently we should tell you, the FBI has issued a specific warning about LinkedIn. That's the more professional of the social media sites, and many folks might think it's safe because it's mainly used for career networking. But FBI agent Sean Reagan told CNBC that crypto investment fraud is a, quote, significant threat to LinkedIn users. For its part, LinkedIn says it is hard at work trying to protect users. When we asked for comment, the firm pointed us to a recent blog post signed by Oscar Rodriguez, LinkedIn's senior director of trust, 
privacy, and equity. Quote, we've seen a rise in fraudulent activity happening across the internet, including here on LinkedIn, the post says. Quote, our teams use technology like artificial intelligence paired with teams of experts to stop the vast majority of content that violates policies before it ever goes live. Still, those systems are hardly foolproof. Maymay would tell you that. There are a few other things Maymay wants you to know. The thing that I think this is very well organized crime because I, they talk to you and then they start, they try to see, because we as human beings, we have weakness in, you know, in things and they try to see in which area they can poke and then they do that. Like they start to talk to you first and see if they can get you like on romance site. If they cannot, they will try to target like a good friend site. That, that's what they do. And what does Maymay most want you listeners to remember? I hate to say this, but just don't trust anybody. I mean, like, for me, including, I, I trusted myself and I thought that I get the money, but I tested it and that's the happen. Yep. So I, I seriously don't know what, don't know what to, what advice to give, you know, but I just want everyone to be very careful. I just want to tell people like, never give up. Never give up. Life is hard. And then we just have to keep fighting. Because for me, I tell myself, I will get better back up again. I will fight until I cannot. So, you know, like for me, like, I am no, with life, I am no longer like, poor me, I cannot, I am no longer have that mentality. I told myself, I will show you how hard it is to knock me down. Yeah, that's my mentality for life. That's my wish for all of you, that you become harder to knock down. Next week, we'll give you more tools and resources to help you be very, very careful when it comes to cryptocurrency. If you have been targeted by a scam or fraud, you are not alone. Call the AARP Fraud Watch Network Helpline at 877-908-3360. Their trained fraud specialists can provide you with free support and guidance on what to do next. Thank you to our team of scam busters, executive producer Julie Getz, researcher Haley Nelson, associate producer Annalie Embry, and of course our audio engineer Julio Gonzalez. Be sure to find us on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or wherever you listen to podcasts. For AARP's The Perfect Scam, I'm Bob Sullivan.